This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins. We are live here at Target Field. Twins and the Tigers, we hope, will have baseball today. It is raining right now. It is uh, cooled off a little bit, but we're still optimistic about baseball coming up at some point today. Twins and the Tigers wrap up this series and the final game of the 2017 regular season. We thank you for joining us. You can uh, reach us in two ways, by email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com, or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. And our guest on our Sunday program, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. Always great to chat with Thad Levine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Well, we last spoke with you kind of in this capacity uh, as we waited out the results the other night in Cleveland. And have you had a chance to kind of reflect on, on, on your role in this team the last two or three days since? Yeah, you know, I think these moments of celebration, unfortunately, are a little fleeting as the nature of the game is you've got a game the next day that you got to you got to pony up for and play. But I, what was not lost on me that night after we got a chance to speak was we went down to the clubhouse and our guys were riveted to the Anaheim Angel Chicago White Sox game. And we had a lot of Nicky Delmonico fans come, <laughs> come evenings. And, 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 you know, you just look around the room and you realize we have 35 players in the room, however many coaches. And I think we determined there were five or six guys who had ever had a chance to celebrate at the major league level. And that, that's not lost on you when you look at a guy like Brian Dozier. Played his whole career here, has never had a chance to do that. Those are the special moments that you really will never, ever forget. Whatever transpires in the years to come here, and we hope it's a lot more opportunities to celebrate, there's nothing like the first celebration, and that was very special that evening. And any thoughts, too, that if the, if the celebration would be somewhat muted because it happened after a loss, that went by the wayside within seconds watching that great response in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, when Derek and I walked down from the suite, uh, we, had, we had lost the game, and I said, you know, in my career I'm not sure I've ever had – been a benefactor of another team winning to get into the playoffs. I wonder how this would feel. The minute we crossed the threshold in the clubhouse and saw those lunatics watching the game and riveted to it, I was like, this will feel great. I think this will be just <laughs> fine if this plays out the way uh, we hope. And, you know, it, it did work out that way, which was great because we sat there for about an hour and a half. Uh, we had a noon game the next day. So if somehow Anaheim had won that game, I think we may have been a little deflated walking out the door. But thankfully, the White Sox prevailed. You know, your job each and every day as the season moves along, you're focused on your big league team. You also have to keep focus on what's happening in the minor leagues and all throughout the game. But now that the season ends today, at least the regular season version of it, your focus, your day in and day out responsibilities, how differently are they viewed internally from just, say, a month ago? You know, I, th- I think there's always something going on behind the scenes. Our primary focus is the, the major league roster, uh, but there's always a secondary focus. The secondary focus now is with the minor league seasons uh, in the rearview mirror. 
Uh, now's the time that you're looking to hire minor league coaches. You're looking to hire amateur scouts, professional scouts that can help your team for seasons coming forward. So we are concurrent to watching major league games. We are interviewing for some open positions, uh, some, some of which will be leadership positions, like our farm director, as Brad Style has been promoted to become our director of professional scouting moving forward. So we've got an opening of heading up our minor league operations group and, some, and then some other leadership positions within our pro scouting, amateur scouting, and player development departments. So that's happening concurrent to what's going on in the field. Our primary focus is, is on the field, but we're still building out the infrastructure of the organization. Have you received heavy interest for some of those roles that you're looking to fill both internally but outside the organization? Yes. You know, I think our philosophy is to always try to fill from within if we can. So we're going to first evaluate every every possible candidate that's internal for these positions, and, and we will end up, as evidenced by Brad Style, uh, moving over into our pro scouting director position. Uh, but then to the extent that we feel like there could be a benefit of having a voice from the outside, I think we, we will continue to seek those because I think the last thing we want to do is become too homogenous. You know, I think it's very beneficial from time to time. To, to change things up a little bit and have somebody from the outside give a different perspective. And that's, you know, was kind of the genesis of the Daniel Adler hiring. Uh, one thing that we're going to try to stay committed to is most other teams in the game of baseball hire from other teams in the game of baseball. We, we're going to continue to keep our focus there, but we're going to also look outside the game of baseball. And Daniel came to us from the academic setting and also from the NFL. Uh, I think we're going to try to continue to tap into new voices to continue to test us, push us, and hopefully we can continue to grow and evolve in our decision-making. And that's been so neat to watch, uh, watch you guys work here this season for the first time together because you came from other places and you guys offer different views about how to go about things, and yet when it comes down to it, you come up with a decision and you go with it. Yeah, you know, I I think the thing that Derek and I have talked about openly is the decisions that kind of concern us most are the ones that are the proverbial no-brainers, which is to say that everyone in our group thinks that's exactly what we should do or what we shouldn't do. In my opinion, in my history, it's like we're missing something then because if the other team's willing to do something that's a no-brainer for us, they may also think it's a very good thing, so we're probably missing something. So I think behind the scenes we've been able to play devil's advocate from time to time, have uh, dissenting opinions, but then once we walk out the door, we're all in solidarity. So, you know, we're not a group that's going to keep a scoreboard as to who counseled us in which way. We want people to have differing opinions. That's healthy towards the decision-making process and hopefully will require us then to refine our decision-making process, ultimately making better decisions over time. We're not going to be right all the time. Uh, but hopefully that will improve our decision-making process. All right, we'll take our first break. A lot to get to with that in our Sunday program. We'll get into the playoff roster, those conversations. Also, uh, an update from Thad about today's ball game with uh, the weather we have here in the Twin Cities, the likelihood of playing this one. We'll get to that with Thad and more coming up. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. We'll roll on next on your home for Twins baseball. Hey, Twins fans, this is Brian Dozier. I want to say thank you for tuning in and supporting us all season long. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Before we probe us back with Thad Levine, let's get to the weather today. Uh, the likelihood of playing today is what right now? Well, it, it seems it's a touch moist out right now, and so <laughs> it seems as if we will be in a delay to start. Uh, we talked to Matt Hoy, uh, and he kind of oversees the weather for us and recommendations. It looks like the worst of it will be out of here sometime between 3 and 4. Uh, we're going to be very attentive to that. You know, We've had active dialogue with Dave St. Peter. 
there is a, you know, we obviously want to play the game for fans and we want to play the game for revenue uh, purposes, but really our, our attention is at the next game that we need to play. So we'll be a little bit mindful of juggling that as to how late we feel comfortable getting out of here and getting into New York and putting ourselves in position to optimally perform on Tuesday. So that'll be a balancing act, a conversation that we'll have ongoing with Dave St. Peter over the next couple hours here. What is Major League Baseball's role on a day like today? Do they do they encourage and push teams to wait it out because we want everyone playing 162? They, they do. You know, I think as recently as a couple of years ago, they were a little bit less firm on that point. But as a, I think the owners uh, dictated that they really wanted to play these games for all the right reasons. You know, there, there's implications in the playoffs, but there's also implications for the draft order for the upcoming year. And the integrity of the game, it just looks a lot better if everyone's total uh, games total up to 162. So there will, there will be an attention paid towards getting the guys in the field. I think the unique element of this is that we've got to fly to the East Coast, and we've got a game on Tuesday that is, you know, arguably even more important than today's game. And I think the league... Our ownership and, and our baseball side understand that. So we'll do everything we can to get the game in today, shy of putting that game on Tuesday in jeopardy. Is there a certain point, though, being the last day of the season, that the union can interject and say, hey, we've waited long enough, two hours, three hours, That's get, that's got to be the deadline and we've just got to move on? Yeah, I don't know if there's anything hard and fast like that, but I think they are part of the dialogue here. As you know, we'll talk to our, our union rep on our player side, and, and they'll have communication constantly with the union and we'll all be kind of collaborating on this one. Now, the fact that the, the actual game time is 2 o'clock gives us a little bit of latitude, uh, but not too much, you know, because we, we don't want to get into New York past, you know, a certain time tonight because we want these guys to get a chance to get into bed and, and be rested for Tuesday. You mentioned the integrity of the game a moment ago. With that said, any issue with uh, Romine playing all nine? Last night, you know, I I really I really didn't. Uh, I I know a lot of people are a little bit up in arms about that, and I respect that opinion too. Uh, the 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 pitching at the end of the game and the catching kind of got a, maybe a little bit sideways, as that could have ultimately impacted the game. I, I think we were hopeful that it was going to impact the, the the outcome of the game. I think that becomes a little bit of a different story if you knowingly sacrifice a win to pursue that. Uh, I think that's probably where it crosses the line for me, but. The exercise itself, you know, he's a utility player. He acquitted himself pretty well in the field. I think felt like he, he may have had an assist or a put out in almost every position he played. Somehow, fittingly, he got the last out of the game and actually did pretty well at the at the plate. The catching and the pitching was probably a little bit uh, foggy for me out there. The rest of it seemed not that abnormal for a player with that defensive ability. He was extremely appreciative of the response he got here from the crowd after the game. He was saying that if if we if he couldn't do it in Detroit. No better place he would like to do it than here. He was very complimentary of the fans here, the city, the state, and, and, and being in Twins territory for that, which was, I think, a nice touch on his part to do after the game. Oh, I think so, too. And I think uh, what we did in-game to recognize his achievement, both when he did it and then when he was walking off the field, I think was pretty special. It felt as if from listening to the game from time to time that the radio broadcasters had a bit of an issue with it. What? Or at least one of them what? was taking issue from time to time. I know. Chris is tough, man. He's He's tough. <laughs> he's tough. Yeah, just a little bit, a yeah. little bit. Well, and I understand that perspective. I think a lot of guys, the old school guys of the game, felt that that was a little bit of an injustice. So, you know, once again, like I think if he looked like he couldn't handle himself out there, it would have felt different to me. That's why catching and pitching was a little bit curious to me. But the rest of the positions, he, he looked like he was very competitive out there. Gino, locks on the door, okay? In case somebody comes in here in a, in a moment, we're good. We got security. We're fine because Thad's got his back to the door. We're good. 
Uh, you know, Miguel Sano, though, he uh, he did appear in that game last night, his first start. Now Thad is going to face the door here for the rest of the show. <laughs> the, the fact that Miguel Sano was in the lineup in a starting role as a DH a week ago, if I would have told you that would happen, what would you have said? Uh, looked looked pretty pessimistic at that time. Uh, you know, I, I think what you see with a lot of players is the injuries are real. You know, and, and his injury is a significant one and may actually require some sort of surgical procedure this offseason. But there's a psychological component for all these guys that you can't really underestimate in terms of their pain threshold. And so when he visited the specialist, the, the Carolina Panthers doctor, Dr. Anderson, who specializes in lower body injuries. And, and the injury he sustained is really much more consistent with something that you see in the NBA or the NFL than in his Major League Baseball. And when he told him you couldn't injure yourself anymore by playing, I think there was a wash of relief over Miguel Sano. And I think at that moment we felt there was a real chance this guy was going to be able to play. Uh, because I think at that point, once he cleared that hurdle of, of feeling confident that he wasn't going to be able to hurt himself more, he was going to get out there and, and try to do his best. Because I think all along, that's been his drive. I just think he had a pretty prominent hurdle, which was that fear of if I go out there, do I, am I at risk of it, worst-case scenario, of actually breaking my leg and having a much more serious situation on our hands. What do you guys need to see from a from a collaborative side of things that, that he is an option to be on the roster come Tuesday? You know, I, I really leave that up to, to Paul and James Rousen and Rudy Hernandez. I think those three guys will be the people who give us the, the eyeball test and tell us what they're seeing out there. You know, certainly seeing him run down the, the first base line was pretty encouraging. Uh, the fact that he got the single the other night was, was also equally encouraging. But we're going to want to hear from him. You know, how, how in sync or out of sync do you feel you are? And then the assessment, uh, the similar assessment from our hitting guys, Rudy Hernandez and James Rousen. What do you think this guy can do to help us? I, you know, at the very least, I think it's an intimidation factor where you, you, you're going to have to respect him because he can really beat you. Uh, at the most, he's a competitive advantage if he's out there on the field. And our offense has been so good in his absence. Uh, we're optimistic that it could even be better with him. Now we'll take a break, come back. More discussion about the playoff roster. That has to be finalized by Tuesday morning. We'll dive into that topic and more with Thad Levine next on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, Twins fans, this is Kyle Gibson. Thank you for tuning in and supporting us all season long. Welcome back. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond. This program until the bottom of the hour. Chris has the pregame show at 1.30, then 2.10. Twins and the Tigers wrapping up the regular season. Bartolo Colon will start today for the Twins. Anibal Sanchez, perhaps his Tigers Day uh, finale, his uh, last outing as a Tiger, will come today in Game 3. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Let's get back into the playoff roster discussion it has to be down to 25 you have to submit it i guess latest is what tuesday morning at 10 a.m east coast time where are you guys at now on making the uh, the final call with that you know i think we i have to, to be frank you know i think some teams have been working on this and fine-tuning it for three or four months we, we've done it for about three or four days which is fine you know we're, 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 we'll be well prepared but I think Paul does a great job of really pulling his whole coaching staff. We're trying to do the same with our professional scouts, the guys who've seen a lot of our games, seen a lot of Major League Baseball games this year. And then we're also taking a look at past history of, of every single playoff roster for a wild card game, you know, just to gain, gain some insight as to, you know, the balance of pitchers and hitters and, and then also how many pitchers, you know, typically are used in these games. I will tell you, we spend a lot of time kind of fine-tuning what we deem to be the 21st through 25th guys on these rosters when in practice you look at the history and almost never do the 21st through 25th guys actually play. But it's having those guys available, having as many resources for Paul 
at his disposal to try to win that game, mix and match throughout the course of the game. And, and we're going to do that. So to answer your question more uh, honestly, I would say we probably have about 21 to 22 where we have a pretty good sense of who they're going to be. We have a few either-ors that we're still trying to weigh out. You know, I think a, a debate you always have in this type of setting is how many of your starters do you take? You're obviously going to only start one of them, uh, but how many of them would you have supersede maybe a reliever who's been more in a relief role the whole season? Those are ongoing dialogues we have now. Needless to say, uh, if and when we beat the Yankees and proceed to, to Cleveland, the roster may change its complexion as we may start shuffling in a few more starters for sure. And Miguel Sano, his name probably is a big domino that could impact – not just the amount of position players you take, but also pitchers you could put on that roster. And, and, and you mentioned it a couple minutes ago, as recently as a couple of days ago. I think that was we thought it would be on the outside looking in, certainly for the first round. Uh, now it looks like there's a possibility he would be on that team. And if he's on that team, that does change the complexion a little bit. It, it gives you a chance to have some really viable pinch-hitting options coming off the bench if Miguel Sano is able to, to give you four at-bats in that game. The research that you've seen, have most teams carried two catchers or gone with a third? So it's a, it's a great question. I think there are examples of a third catcher. Uh, when I worked in Texas, I think we, we used a third catcher at a time, but that was when Mike Napoli was on the team. He was also uh, serving as a DH and a first baseman. So I think it's certainly more common to go with two catchers. I think the benefit of having three catchers, if you so chose, was that you know you could pinch hit for or you could pinch run for one catcher and not leave yourself with just one catcher left. You know, in the regular season, if you have one catcher left and somehow he were to sustain an injury, usually you can gut out the rest of the game. You certainly don't want to have to do that in the playoff scenario. So in the grand scheme of you probably aren't going to use your 25 players, the security of a third catcher could be a significant decision for us. And when you think about lefties in their bullpen, you know Taylor Rogers will be in there. But is it a tough call? Is it going to be Boucher's or Moya or Boucher? Is there a scenario where it could be both? Both Shears and Moya. I, I think it certainly can. And I think you then, per what I was just talking about, you start factoring Mejia into that conversation. Oh, yeah, okay. And how does he look coming out of the bullpen? Um, what, are, what are we prognosticating? Because obviously we haven't really seen that this year. And, and that's where you start fine-tuning it. You start sitting down with Jeff Pickler and Jeremy Hefner, the two guys who are doing their line share of our advanced scouting for that. And we really look at the granularity of the matchups late in the game. We look at the how does this guy feel his position. You know, if he's coming into the game late, where there's a man on first base, how does he hold runners? How does he field bunts and those sorts yeah. of things? So I think every one of those factors start coming into play uh, when you're trying to make a decision on 25 guys for one game. Let's take a last break, come back, and wrap up our Sunday show next on your home for Twins Baseball. Hey, Twins fans, this is Jorge Polanco. Thanks for all your support. Last 90 seconds of Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. And Thad Levine, uh, yesterday, really last night, uh, a cool moment before the game. Dave Prumer threw out the uh, ceremonial first pitch, and uh, that was a nice touch. And uh, Tony Leo caught it, a guy that uh, means the world to so many, especially the guys down the way from here in the clubhouse. Uh, He'll be missed, Dave Prumer retiring, or at least leaving, at least baseball for now at the end of the season. Yeah, I want to be the next person in the Twins family just to thank Dave for a tremendous career here. Uh, he's doing something very rare, which is a, he's able to give back to his wife. His wife wants to move back home uh, to their home in Illinois, and, and so he's doing that. She has a great career opportunity. Most of us ask our wives to come along for our entire careers. He's giving back, which is exceptionally admirable. But more than that, he's just been such a fixture for the Minnesota Twins for so long. He's been a competitive advantage here. 
And so I just want to thank him for everything he's done. He's a really special member of this family, always will be. Uh, and despite the fact that he threw a 56 pitch <laughs> foot pitch last night. No chance for Tony. <laughs> no, no, and Tony totally whiffed it. That was, that was indeed a magical moment, one that I think everyone in the clubhouse will not let him forget. But uh, we really appreciate everything Dave's done. Uh, he will always have a place in the, the heart of the Minnesota Twins. Thanks for your time today. We'll see you on the plane. Thank you. And we thank Thad Lafitte for joining us. We have more to come. Baseball coming up. Chris's pregame show is next. And then the Twins and the Tigers in Game 3. Stay tuned. More to come on your home for Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.